Well, my name is Mark. For those of you that I haven't met, it's really wonderful to have so many of you visiting this morning. And uh, again, such a joy to get to baptize Ezra, who is, it looks like, getting a snack. Uh, we are in the book of Second Kings this morning, at the end of Elijah the prophet's life. So we're going to read from chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can read along there. I think it will be on the screen behind me as well. This is from 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him again, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak. He rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, but otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Lord, would you be our teacher from your word this morning as we look at the life and death of Elijah, this prophet of yours who spoke truth to the powerful and the powerless. Lord, teach us, open our hearts and our ears that we would hear from you this morning. Amen. So, uh, Alistair and Amelia, my two kids, just finished up school, which is just so crazy that tomorrow's July, and they just finished school. <laughs> but that's the nature when you have a late schedule, and also snow days, to add to that. Um, Amelia just finished up kindergarten, uh, and she had Ms. Olson, who is who Alistair had as well when he was in kindergarten. And Ms. Olson, uh, we love Ms. Olson at Broadview Thompson, just up the road, if you're interested, Bobby Thompson, K-8. 
she made it explicitly clear to us when we met with her before Alistair started that she has one goal for kindergarten, one way of measuring whether or not kindergarten was a success. And it's this, that the kids would get to the end of the year and that they would enjoy school. That they would get to the end of the year and that they would, when they think about school, that they would have positive thoughts and emotions about going to school. And I can say that from the perspective of our two kids, she was a success. And, and their experience in kindergarten was a success because that, uh, that happened for them. We were driving past the school the other day, and Amelia was like, that's the best school ever. And it was pretty great. I told Ms. Olson that, and she smiled. She liked that. Um, she had this way of, of thinking about her role in their lives and uh, in this understanding, a very clear understanding of what success was, what success would look like for a kindergartner. And I think that this very strange passage that we read, let's just acknowledge that's a weird passage that the lectionary has given us this, this morning to look at. It affords us an opportunity to look at Elijah's life. Here, here he is at the end of his life, um, to look back over his life and to ask some questions about, was, was it a success? How, how would we know? How would we measure Elijah's life and ministry as a prophet? Um, it's, a, it's kind of, uh, we don't know a lot of the, the details behind things, but it's clear that uh, everybody knows that this is Elijah's last day, right? <laughs> and they, all, they keep trying to remind Elisha of that. He's like, I know, I know, be quiet. I, I, it's a funny interaction. I don't know, I don't know what the theological significance is other than that it's funny. Um, but it's just clear to everybody, to Elijah, to Elisha, to these prophets in these towns that they visit, that this is the end. This is the end of Elijah's life. He's going to be taken from them, uh, and it ends up happening in a pretty dramatic way. Horses and chariots of fire, a whirlwind, um, taken up to heaven. And I imagine that as Elijah was walking with Elisha, knowing that this is his last day, that there was a little bit of reflection going on. A little bit of thinking back over the time that they had spent together, the time that Elijah has been a prophet uh, prior to uh, Elisha, who's kind of his mentee, mentor-mentee relationship, um, thinking back over these years and wondering, did I do good? Did I, what, like, what do I have to show for this here at the end, right before I'm getting taken up? And I think it, it affords us the opportunity to ask this question about ourselves, uh, to think about the end of our own lives and to ask what would be a rubric for success? What would be a category or a way of describing what a successful life would look like at the end? If we can put ourselves in Elijah's shoes. Some of us are closer to that moment than others, but the reality is, is that none of us know how much more time we have. Uh, and uh, we've often, or a couple of times at least, we've quoted John Whitley at a, a a wonderful thinker about worship, Christian worship. And he talks about the job of a worship leader is to prepare the church to face their death. That's what you've been doing this morning. You might not be aware of that when you came in this morning, but we have been at work preparing ourselves uh, for the end. And so as we think about the end, which maybe we're prone to do, maybe we're not, uh, what would success look like at the end? What would a good, well-lived life look like? I'm going to try my best to kind of summarize the little bit that we know about Elijah's life. Uh, he only appears for about seven or eight chapters here at the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. And so the reality is that we don't know a lot about him. But the few encounters, the few stories that we have of him are pretty remarkable. We looked at one last week, right, where uh, it's right after Elijah has 
fought the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and, uh, and he mocks them, and then God answers with fire and sort of proves who is the real God. Is it Baal? Is it this false God? Or is it the God of Israel, Yahweh? Well, nothing happens when the prophets of Baal ask for their God to consume their offering, but Yahweh responds with fire. It consumes the offering and laps up the water, even, that uh, Elijah has dumped over the offering. And then he's depressed, and he runs away, and he's depressed enough to die, um, and God provides for him miraculously in the desert. Uh, and then God invites him to hear, to listen to his voice. He says, I'm going to show you who I am. And I don't know if you remember this part, but uh, you know, God is not in the earthquake. God is not in the wind or the fire, but God is in the still, small voice that Elijah gets to hear. Elijah is a prophet during uh, King Ahab's reign. And King Ahab is the worst king of all the kings. Um, he's married to Jezebel, uh, and together they lead God's people to worship Baal, to embrace the cultural worship of the cultures that are surrounding them, to forget Yahweh, to completely forget the God who took his people out of slavery in Egypt and gave him this promised land. Ahab is a piece of work, and uh, one of the things that he does is that he desires to have a vineyard. And he wants to use it for a vegetable garden, but the problem is that this vineyard is owned by someone else, not the king. And So what he does is he drums up false charges against this person to have him stoned. And then when this person is stoned, then he just goes and takes the vineyard. And one of Elijah's roles is to confront the king about this and to stand up for justice for this man and for his family. Um, the writer of the book of Kings says this about Ahab. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Urged on by Jezebel, his wife, he behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols. So this is the context for Elijah's prophetic ministry. This is the work that he has to do. It's to go up against Ahab, the worst of all the kings, uh, and to speak God's word, to speak the truth about God, about Yahweh, to Ahab, to Jezebel, and to all the people calling them to reject the worship of Baal and to remember the God who has saved them, to return, to repent and return. Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. Yahweh is the Lord. And this was his call. This was his work that he had to do, was to remind people of who was Lord and who was not. And it is hard to think back over these seven or eight chapters that we see in Elijah's life and to think that he actually, to see any evidence that he actually had any success doing this. There's no real concrete evidence that the work that he did moved the needle in the culture of Israel at the time. He was faithful to his call. He spoke the truth. He confronted the powers and yet at the end of it all, he's taken up in a whirlwind, and I imagine there's a little bit of a, what happened? <laughs> Was there any impact that my life had on these people? There are some ways, I think, in which we can look back at Elijah's life and see some, some nuggets of, of, of beauty, some nuggets of a life well-lived, even if, this sense of calling God's people back to worshiping the one true God, if we don't see much evidence of that in his life. 
Uh, so just a couple of things to notice about his life. Again, trying to give you a quick summary of Elijah here. Um, first of all, Elijah had this intimate relationship with God. Elijah had this ability to come to God in prayer, to have a conversational relationship with God. And Elijah was open and honest and real with God in his prayer, right? Uh, after this incredible mount, literal mountaintop experience, um, he runs off to the desert, and he just his, he's depressed enough to die, and he complains about it to God. He feels like he's the only one left, the only one who's being faithful to God, and he brings that. He brings all of who he is to God. And he gets the grace, the gift, of God speaking to him in a still, small voice. Elijah had cultivated this intimacy of relationship with God. He cares for the poor. Uh, there's a widow that Elijah cares for who, uh, during the, this drought, she's left with just a tiny bit of flour and a tiny bit of oil. And uh, Elijah goes to stay with her, and she's like, I'm just getting ready to make the last loaf of bread that I can, and then my son and I are going to die. You sure you want to come stay with me? And he says, yes, I'm going to come stay with you. Make me a loaf of bread. And the Lord has promised that he's going to allow this oil and this flour to continue to, to um, you'll never run out of these things as long as the drought continues. And that happens. And then the widow's son dies. And God, through Elijah, raises him back to life, which is both a, a compassionate thing to do for a grieving mother, but also an incredibly economic, economically powerful thing to do in a culture where you're, as a widow, your son was the only source of income that you had. So uh, Elijah cares for the poor. Uh, and the, the final thing he does, and I have alluded to this already, is he is faithful in his calling to speak the truth to those in power and to those who are powerless, to simply speak the truth about who God is and who is not God, who is false God, that Baal cannot give life. And yet at the end of his life, as he's taken up, I, I, I have to wonder what he was thinking, what he was thinking back on over his years, knowing that this might be his last day. And I think of, uh, of what this might mean for us. I, I mean, it's, it's a little hard to put ourselves in Elijah's shoes. I've never experienced some of the things that he experienced. Maybe you have. Um, but I wonder if there's not uh, some parallels here with uh, the way that we think of the broader culture out there. And is it our job to win the culture war? To, to see the broader culture transformed um, into a big church. And while I hope that that happens, and while I pray that that happens, I wonder if we've been a little misguided in the way in which we sometimes think we have to go about that work, the way in which we think we must battle the culture wars. And I think maybe Elijah has something to teach us here about the things that he was good at, the things that we could look back on his life uh, and appreciate the, the intimacy of this relationship with God, the care for the poor, and the ability to speak the truth in love, to bear witness to truth, to who God is. One of the fascinating things about Elijah is that he's only, he appears for about a few chapters here, right? about seven or eight chapters, um, and yet he captured the imagination of Israel in a very unique way. And we know this because in the New Testament, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Apostle Paul, and the, uh, the letter from James all feature little bits about Elijah. Um, he had captured the imagination of Israel as a prophet who really, truly 
spoke for God in a powerful and in a unique way, even though at the end of his life, it's hard to see much evidence of the impact he had. And yet, generations later, generations later, he's compared, uh, John the Baptist is, uh, is said to be a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus himself gets confused for Elijah. Some people think that, um, that Jesus is Elijah raised from the dead. Um, Paul uh, quotes, quotes Elijah, quotes his lament that he's the only one left uh, to show that, no, God always has a remnant. God always has a people that he's reserved for himself. And then James speaks of Elijah as this example of someone who prayed in faith, whose prayers were powerful and effective. He prayed that it would not rain in order to teach King Ahab a lesson, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it rained. So this parallel, uh, especially between John the Baptist uh, and Elijah, is one that I think might be illustrative for us uh, as well. John the Baptist's role was to prepare the way for the Lord. And I think that Elijah though his, uh, the immediate impact of his life and ministry didn't seem to show a ton of fruit. In God's timing and in God's way, Elijah was in that same work. He was preparing the way for the Lord, preparing hearts ultimately to be receptive to Jesus Christ, who would come generations later fully revealing God's love, God's purpose and plan. So I wonder for us, as we think about what, what we might reflect on at the end of our lives, how we might think about success or f- a fruitful life at the end of our lives. And maybe that's, I'm sure that that is different things for each one of us here. Um, and maybe, maybe part of the value of looking at Elijah's life in this way is to take a moment and ask ourselves, like, what would I actually think about? What would I reflect on at the end of my life that would let me know, that would give me some sense that I had lived a good life, that I had, that I had lived a successful life? Is it the kind of the race to retirement, to have enough so that you can retire? Is it uh, the family and friends that you'd be surrounded with? The sense that your work had had some impact in the world? Those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. Those are all beautiful good things. Um, but maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe, maybe we're at the end of our lives and we're able to look back and see that. Maybe at the end of our lives, we're not. Um, could God be at work in us and through us doing something more hidden? More hidden that we cannot see. I think that's what I see in the life of Elijah as he reaches the end of his life. Is someone who is faithful someone who had an intimate relationship with God, someone who cared for the poor, someone who spoke truth to those in power and to those with no power, and someone through whom God was doing something hidden that he couldn't ultimately see, not in his lifetime at least. And that was this, preparing people for the Messiah, preparing people to receive, to encounter Jesus and to receive Jesus. At the end of our lives, I think what matters not so much is even our faithfulness to those things, but God's faithfulness towards us. That's what we've celebrated in the baptism this morning. 
I think that's what we see in Elijah's life at the end of his life. The sense that God, who has promised to be faithful, is faithful even to the end. And as we reach the end of our lives, to look back with gratitude for the fact that God has been the one who has been faithful to us, even when we have not been faithful to him. I would encourage you to read the few chapters uh, that, are, uh, that encompass Elijah's life. Uh, it's a, he's a strange character, but I think he gives us this picture of someone who is faithful to God and who at the end uh, bears witness to a God who is working in hidden ways, preparing our hearts to receive the Lord, preparing the hearts of those around us in ways that we often can't see. Uh, take a few moments to lead us in prayer as we prepare to come and to encounter um, another sacrament, another visible, physical sign of God's invisible, hidden grace. So if you join me in prayer.